Hello, everybody. My name is Nadiel. Uh, thank you for joining me at the Sunday Table Podcast, where we're dissecting key topics in the Bible, and we're talking about life as a Christian, specifically as a young Christian. And our goal here is simply to shape culture one talk at a time. Uh, this episode is a continuation of what we spoke about last episode, uh, where we were teaching on the wrath of God. Now, I wanted to emphasize something. This is not a preaching. I'm not preaching at you. I'm not sharing my own ideas. This is a teaching. Uh, I don't want to just, at least how I view preaching, you know, it's just my interpretation of the text and me bringing ideas that are, that are applicable to our life. I don't want to do that in this moment. I want to specifically stick to just teaching what the Bible is trying to teach us at its core, um, understanding its context, understanding the audience, understanding why this part of scripture is written. Uh, my goal ultimately for the podcast is for those who are experts in the scriptures. I want this to be a podcast for those who are experts in the scriptures and for those who aren't experts in the scriptures. I want it to be potent enough for those who know the Bible to glean from, yet I also want it to be clear and accessible enough for those who've never even opened it. Uh, like I said last episode, this podcast is a simple outpouring of the love that I have for the Lord. So I really do hope that it blesses you. I pray that it lead you closer to Christ and that it just show you more uh, about who Jesus is. You know, um, there are a lot of young people out there who think they know who God is and they see God as very harsh or mean or robotic, but that is not at all who the God of the Bible is. And so I just pray that this podcast and all the content that is produced out of it really bless all of you uh, greatly. So for this episode, I wanted to continue what we spoke about in the last episode on the wrath of God. Last episode, part one, we spoke on how the wrath of God is his completely justifiable response toward the sin of the world. And we came to that conclusion by studying Numbers chapter 14. And what I wanted to do today for part two is I wanted to continue breaking down Numbers 14 because the story gets really, really crazy. It gets wild. There's 45 verses in total. Last, last episode, we only talked about two to three of them. So I just wanted to jump around in Numbers 14 and just really go in depth on it because it goes crazy. Uh, and like I said last week, for all of these teaching episodes, we wanted to just give like a focus to the episode. And the focus of this episode is that the love of God is best understood when it is coupled with his wrath. I'll say that again. The love of God is best understood when it is coupled with his wrath. So we ended off last episode with God telling Moses that he will completely destroy all of them and make Moses and his descendants into a great nation, which mirrors the call of Abraham from Genesis chapter 14, where God calls Abraham out of Mesopotamia, idol-worshiping Mesopotamia, and he says, I'm going to bring you out, and I'm going to make you, Abraham, into a great nation. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. God promises that same thing that he, that he promised to Abraham to Moses now, and the way that he's going to do it is he's just going to get rid of all of these Israelites who are complaining and who are, and who are, who are completely rebelling and being disobedient toward God. And so, we're going to pick up at verse 15, which after hearing this, Moses, I love, I love Numbers 14 because it really just shows Moses and God having a conversation. It shows the relationship that Moses had with God. It was such a special relationship. Um, yeah, and, and, and Numbers 14, verses 15 to 16, here's what it says. It says this. This is Moses literally pleading to God. He asks God and he tells him, he pleads with him, if you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations, the people around us who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath. So what did he do? Oh, he just slaughtered them in the wilderness. 
Now, this is so important what Moses says here. Because news of the Israelites' miraculous exodus from Egypt, it spread across all the nations in the known world back then, and it struck fear in the other, no, in the other nations. Now, understand something, especially in the world back then, Egypt was the powerhouse. All the other nations knew Egypt. Egypt was the one where people would go to when there was famine. Egypt was the one, like it, it was the one where everything flowed out of, all wisdom flowed out of Egypt. And so whenever we see God take the people who were enslaved of Egypt, call them his own, and demonstrates his power in such a miraculous way by sending wave after wave of his plague, one by one showing a greater measure of his power, it strikes fear in all the other nations because by the end of it, whenever God uh, uh, allows the firstborn of all Egyptian families to die, God is showing everybody, I have the power of life and death in my hand, something that no other idol God possessed. And all the other nations knew that. And after what happened in Egypt, everyone knew what the God of Israel was capable of because of Egypt. If you don't know what happened in Egypt, read Genesis chapters 4 to 12 or, or uh, 4, to, 4 to 14 or just watch the Prince of Egypt. It shows it very, very well. So Moses is pleading with God to not kill them. And he is pleading on behalf of these ignorant and sinful and complaining Israelites who have rejected the favor of God. Can you think about that? They literally rejected the favor of God. God promised, I'm going to give you this land. You're going to prosper in this land. Everything's going to go well with you in this land. And what did they do? They literally rejected that. And so God is pleading like, no, don't kill them. Don't kill them, please. Now, I want you to understand something. And it, it, this will harken back to what we uh, talked about last episode. God is not the enemy here. Like we said last time, God would be completely justified if he were to eliminate the Israelites who are here. Why? Because he has been slow to anger with all their sin leading up to this moment. And so what is Moses doing here? Numbers chapter 14, ultimately what it shows us, it shows us an image of Christ. Now, Jesus, the whole focus of the Bible, Jesus is the word. He is seen in every single chapter, in every single verse of the Bible. His character is resembled. He is foreshadowed in all stories. And in Numbers chapter 14, he is foreshadowed through the life of Moses. Moses is resembling Christ. Why? He is so others-centered. Now, I want you to notice something. Moses had every right to be self-centered in this moment because he, like, he himself also, on behalf of God, faced all this complaining, all this backlash from the Israelites. Moses could have easily been like, you know what, God, go ahead, do that. I'm going to live. I know I'm going to live, and I know you're going to bless me anyway. So go ahead, kill everybody, get rid of them. But Moses is resembling Christ because even though everybody else was still so sinful, Moses says, no, no, no. Like, no, these are my people. He is seen as a father an advocate for all these people. And he is displaying the heart of God toward the Israelites in the same way that Christ himself showed his heart for us by dying for our sin. Though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Though we still are stuck in sin, though many still reject Christ, he still died for us, the one-time offering like Hebrews said. And so God, being so moved by his servant Moses, Numbers 14, 20 says, well, God says, I'll forgive them, Moses. I'll forgive them. Because you, Moses, my appointed authority, the one who I put to be in charge of everybody, because you say I should forgive them, Moses, I'm going to respect the position that I gave you, and I'm going to forgive them. And so God shows mercy, even though he is still fully capable of retaliating. Why? Because he loved these people so much, and he trusts Moses. Can you think about that for a second? God loves these people so much. All of Numbers 14 is such a clear picture of the gospel. Even though these people were so sinful and so against God, 
he loves them so much and he trusts Moses so much in the same way that God loves you and I so much and he trusts the finished work of Jesus so much that he still shows mercy. And so God doesn't eliminate them here. But, but, there's always a but, he does punish them. What does this tell us? There are consequences for our sin, even though we are God's children. God wouldn't be a good father if he didn't punish us. Read on Hebrews chapter 12, where, where, where the writer of Hebrews, who I actually believe is Paul, he's saying, like, like, what kind of father, what kind of good father doesn't discipline his own children? In the same way, God the Father disciplines you and I. And so God, being a good father, shows his people that there are consequences. But, again, here's the, third, the second but. It's still a but. But God still holds true to his promise. But, the third but, only for those who were 20 or younger. Numbers 14, 21 to 23 says this. It says, nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times. Y'all, 10 times they tested the Lord. Not one of them, not one of those who tested me will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me this way will ever see it. If you ever hear someone say that God doesn't have feelings or God doesn't have emotions, read this right here. God clearly shows they have hurt me so much. They have broken my heart so much. I have to discipline them. And so the older generation that grumbled and fought against God, they're going to get their wish. They're going to get exactly what they asked for. Remember in verse 2 when they said, oh, if only we had died in the wilderness, if only we have gone back to, to, to Egypt. So God says, I'm not going to take you back to Egypt, but you will die in this wilderness. You're going to get exactly what you asked for because you couldn't trust me. And so God is saying to them, if you want to reject my favor, then you'll get exactly what you wish for. You'll die in this wilderness. Here's what this tells us about the character of God. God will not relent in punishing all sin. Remember, like we said last, last episode, he is perfectly just. He has to punish sin. It is who he is. If he is all good, that goodness derives from his holiness. And, he, and if he is all holy, he cannot tolerate anything evil. And so he has to punish sin. To this day, God still, because remember, he's not changing. He still has to punish sin. And it is a burden that we all carry. But isn't it amazing that we have a savior named Jesus who took the punishment for our sin on his shoulders. The Bible says he didn't just take up our sin. He literally became sin. And what does he ask of you and me? To turn to him, to repent of our old way of life, and to trust in him. Galatians chapter 2 teaches us that we don't need to rely on our works. We don't need to rely on following the law. The law is good. All that stuff is good. Following commandments, that's all good. Ultimately, what we need to do is love Jesus, trust in Jesus. He has already paid for it all. He has already covered us. We are clothed in him. So God will not relent in punishing all sin, but he will show kindness and mercy to those who repent and turn to Jesus. Why? Because whenever I turn to Jesus and whenever I appear before God in heaven, he will not see you, he will not see me, he will see Jesus. And that is beautiful and that is perfect. That's why he's the sacrifice lamb and that's why he's our mediator. And Jesus is, is mentioned even here in Numbers chapter 14. He's mentioned throughout all the Bible. The first mention of the gospel is Genesis chapter 315. 
And so the love of God is so great. It's so gracious here because he says, I, I, won't, I won't kill them, Moses, but I do need to punish them because that is who I am. And so the love of God is great. And it is great. Why? Because the love of God carries hatred. And it is a hatred. Not like our hatred. The love of God carries hatred towards sin. Let me show you how. Paul says in Romans 12, 9, love, godly love must be sincere. It must hate what is evil and it must cling to what is good. Did you hear that? Even the love of God carries hatred in it. But it ain't hatred like you and I. It is hatred like, like, like it is godly hatred toward sin, toward evil. Listen to this. The biblical teaching on God's love, it cannot be appreciated unless it is coupled with the biblical teaching on his wrath. I'll say that again. The biblical teaching on God's love cannot be appreciated unless it is coupled with the biblical teaching on his wrath. That's what the gospel is. There is no gospel unless we first understand the wrath of God. And so God punishes them for the rebellion, but, but he sets apart a special remnant. And this special remnant, led by Joshua and Caleb, they carried the fear of the Lord. Let's look at Numbers 14, 28 to 30. It says this, So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. I hope I'm saying that right. Jephunneh? Jephunneh? Whatever. And jo not whatever. It's still, it, you know what I mean. All right. And Joshua, son of Nun. Now, I wanted to focus on verse 31. I didn't write it uh, uh, down here as my note, but, but look at verse 31. It says, as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. What is that symbolic of? It is symbolic of Jesus coming for the rejected. It is symbolic of Jesus coming to those who are downcast, those who are seen as low in the world, those who are looked down upon. That is what that is symbolic of. And so I wanted to talk a little bit, because this verse hints a little bit at the fear of the Lord. The, the, the people who, who rebelled against the Lord, they had no fear of the Lord. They didn't under, properly understand who God is. But the younger remnant, they understood. Let's talk about that, the fear of the Lord. You hear people say that the fear of the Lord, oh, it's just respect toward God. You just got to respect God. And that is true. It is 100% true. But it is also literally fear of the Lord. Are you kidding me? Like the creator of all life, the one who created me, I, I have to have a sense of fear to him because he is the one who can end my life in a moment. And he's also the one who can bring me to life in a moment. But it, now, now the fear of the Lord, it isn't this unhealthy kind of fear that leads you away from him. It's the kind of fear that leads you to him in reverence, in understanding his greatness. The fear of the Lord allows me to see God for who he truly is. I'll say that again. The fear of the Lord allows me to see God for who he truly is. And that's what we see displayed in a special remnant led by Caleb and Joshua. And so these are the people, Caleb and Joshua, their generation, they're the ones who will go forth. They're the ones who will inherit the land. But the crazy part is, even them, even that special remnant, still fall short. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. And we see that demonstrated throughout the whole Bible. Yet, God still shows great mercy. That's who the God of the Bible is. I hope this breakdown of Numbers 14 helps you to better understand uh, the wrath of God. Uh,
like I said earlier, the focus of the episode is that the love of God is best understood when it is coupled with his wrath. God bless all of you. This is part two. We might do a part three one time soon. We don't know yet. Uh, but as of right now, we hope that these two episodes on the wrath of God help you out greatly. Thank you for joining us. Uh, follow us on socials. We are on Instagram at Sunday Table Podcast or on TikTok uh, at Sunday Table. And we just pray that this blesses you. Uh, stay tuned for the next episodes that we'll be dropping. We are really, really excited for what is to come. God bless all of you. And shout out to Gino for making this amazing artwork for us. He is amazing. Uh, love you, dude. Goodbye, everybody. God bless.